0: miracle healing, and uh, we're going to uh, go uh, into the Word of God and uh, uh, Luke and uh, believe God to minister and help us this morning as I get all my papers uh, together, amen, Uh, hallelujah, praise God God, amen, amen, Luke chapter 8, we're going to go there, Luke chapter 8, Oh, you need this, and um, Luke chapter 8, and so uh, we're, we're studying healing right now and uh, what God can do and how he can work miracles, and I want to just finish up on a couple of verses here before we turn the corner uh, this morning, and uh, maybe we could have Mike Gonzalez, you could read that for us, Luke uh, 8, verses 5 through 8. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop of a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So uh, what we were talking about was that there is uh, uh, an opposition to faith. There is a strategy that uh, when we believe God for miracles of healing, we understand that uh, it's not as simple as that. Uh, We would all like to believe that once God said, I will heal, that we all would say yes and everybody would be healed But uh, we all know that's not the case. And uh, there is a pushback. And uh, the picture here is of thorns that choke the word. And so we have to understand that, uh, you know, the truth is that we have the word of God, but there are thorns that are constantly challenging us about what we believe and why we believe what we believe and wants to take what's supposed to be basic and simple And and complicated. And this is especially true in the arena of healing. So, we've touched on a a, a few things that uh, are thorns that oppose healing. And uh, sometimes we use the idea that they're theological. I mean, in other words, there are people that will point to the Bible and tell you why God cannot heal. That sounds crazy, but unfortunately, it's true. Uh, And so, very quickly, uh, we won't uh, belabor them, but one, is uh, the idea that sanctification through suffering, that, that, that uh, it's good for me to be sick because God is working something in my character. The sickness is drawing me closer to God and if I pray for healing then it would be almost like trying to escape the lesson. It would be like dropping out of the class where God is teaching me. And then uh, uh, we talked about that and the idea that somehow healing is a sign of weakness or escapism. Then the other one is, uh, we talked about divine determinism, which is the idea that everything that happens is the will of God. So if I'm sick, God has willed me to be sick. And so for me to seek healing is to somehow reject his will. And uh, uh, this extreme view, That everything in life is the will of God. Well, when you read the Bible, you know that's not so. Because uh, Jesus said to Jerusalem, I wanted to gather you, but you wouldn't let me. And so uh, uh, God has put a spark of eternity in every one of us. It's called free will. And uh, you're you're going to end up where you decided you wanted to end up. We have the power of free will this morning to make decisions. And uh, the idea that somehow uh, everything in life that happened to me somehow is God's will is not necessarily the case. And the one we were closing in on last night, or yesterday, or I'm sorry, last Sunday, was on the issue of uh, a wrong view of faith. And that is the idea that somehow... uh, how our faith plays a role in healing is is, uh, sometimes can can be confusing and it can be abusive. uh, I read your story about a a family who belonged to a church that uh, didn't believe in going to the doctor, that if you had faith, then you simply prayed, uh, but you didn't go to a doctor and going to a doctor or seeking medical help was an act of unbelief. And their child died. This caused all kinds of... uh, uh, problems. And there was this idea that, you know, if you talk to them, it sounds hard when anybody talks like that, or that kind of faith and determination and confession, you feel bad trying to balance them out because they treat you like you're a wet blanket, that you're, a, you know, that you're, you don't believe. Uh, and so people get trapped in this idea of it being about their faith and the power of their faith. Now, we looked at scriptures. We know that faith plays an important role in healing, that Jesus praised great faith, that he said, as he prayed for someone, be it according to your faith. And so we know that faith matters, but the issue this morning in faith is, if we have faith in faith, faith in our faith, or faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is a major, major issue that simply uh, being able to have a mind game where you're able to get yourself to believe something uh, isn't faith, nor is it faith. You know, uh, I get, beyond be honest, I get nervous from people that, that uh, always talk about how, how much faith they have because it's almost like their faith is in how much faith they have, but what they are and what they've been able to achieve and accomplish. Uh, our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. And that faith says, Lord, I will believe you for miracles, but even if that doesn't happen, I believe you. I still believe you. It's the story of the, of, the, uh, uh, of the three Hebrew children that are being warned that if they don't bow down to the king, that they're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And their response is, our God is able to deliver us from this furnace. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. In other words, their faith was in the character of God. We read a verse, we're not going to read it just for time's sake uh, this morning, but in the book of Hebrews, it says that women received their dead raised to life and others were tortured, not accepting uh, deliverance. And so here in this great chapter uh, that begins with the great faith of Abraham and Sarah and Moses uh, and all that God did and those great stories that we're all familiar with, uh, it concludes with a, a list of people who had just as much faith, but they didn't see what they wanted to see in this life. The Bible says they all died in faith. Now, how many know we like to think that if I have faith that I'm not dying? But they died in faith. And I want to say to you, I'm, I'm all for the rapture, but if I die, I want to die in faith. I want people to say he died with his faith strong and simply having died somehow was not a failure of faith. and Because our faith is in the person in the character of Jesus Christ that says, God, you're good and you're faithful and you are, I, I am no less, I, I'm not gonna do it. I've met a lot of people over the years that have an anger towards God because they feel like God let them down because he didn't do what they wanted him to do in some situation. Whether it was a, a passing of a relative uh, uh, that they loved uh, or uh, some other financial situation or perhaps uh, a breakup of a marriage or something like that. And, and, and they have a hostility towards God, like a, 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 a child who's mad at their parents because the parents didn't give them what they wanted. And, they, and verses of faith that says, you're still good. You're still faithful and you're still true. I want to get these verses here uh, so we can wind this part of our uh, study up. Matthew 13:3 through 8. Doris, you can get that. Uh, Gilbert, uh, Matthew 13:24 through 28, and Miguel Luna, Matthew 13:31 through 33. If you're observant. You know that uh, those are all from the same chapter because there is, Matthew 13 is the great parable chapter of the Bible. Uh, and, uh, and so there are just some glimpses of the kingdom of God that are in here that I think are important for you and I to understand as we are wrestling through this issue of faith, which is, you know what, Jesus uh, wants us to have faith. He praises us when we have great faith. He moves in response to our faith, but at the same time, I cannot ever let this be about my faith. That, you know, uh, we're going to pray for someone to get healed, to get healed. No, well, they didn't have enough faith. And they slink back to their chair embarrassed because they didn't have enough faith. There's something wrong with that mentality. And that twisting, I I used the verse last week about one of the temptations of, of Satan to Jesus was to take him to the top of the temple, quote the Bible, and tell him, throw yourself down. Let's, let's prove this thing. Let's get up there. You know, remember, the temple would have been the center of uh, all activity. Somebody jumping off the top of the temple would have been noticed. This would have been kind of like, let's settle this. You throw yourself down, and just before you hit the ground, you're, you stop, you levitate, you come to a soft land. You know, come on, let's, let's do this. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus wouldn't fall for the bait which is that somehow faith and the Bible can be taken misused to get us to do his bidding. You know, we use the illustration, I mentioned judo, the idea that judo is to take your enemy's momentum and use it against them. And I wanna tell you over the many years that I've served God and been a pastor, I've seen people act out of pride and presumption with the Bible open saying, isn't this what it says? And the enemy taking it, and so this is no longer in the person of Jesus Christ, but it's somehow just these tools that we use to get what we want. Okay. So there's some parables here that, that kind of give us insight into uh, faith in the kingdom of God. Matthew 13,
1: wait. Okay. And he's, and he, sp- um, and he spoke many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed some seeds, some, fell, uh, sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell onto good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold and some sixtyfold and some thirtyfold.
0: So here we have, we just read this verse at the beginning, but here's this parable of the sower. And uh, the imagery you want to catch again is that good seed is opposed. There is uh, uh, an attack that good seed is going to be attacked by whether it was the birds or the stones or the thorns. So Jesus is helping us understand something here. This is the world that we live in. We live in a world of unbelief. It was here you and I are, there's good seed. That seed has power to change. That seed has power to give life. But yet uh, in this world, that seed is in competition with many, many other things that are there to prevent it from making the impact that it's supposed to make. And so this is the reality of our faith, that we're constantly uh, living against things that are wanting to take that away from us and rob us of its reality.
2: Matthew thirteen twenty-four through 28. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, And while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares also among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprang up and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. And the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? So...
0: What I want you to see here is again Here's another picture Here's uh, ground Good seed is sown in that ground It should yield nothing but A a good harvest And the Bible says though When it was time for the harvest To come up there were weeds Or tears in the harvest And they're, they're looking and they're trying Well wait a minute how did this happen And he says an enemy has come And has sowed bad seed And so Again, he says, here's the dynamics of kingdom living. Kingdom living is that we're living and God has indeed sowed good seed in us. But let's be honest, there's some bad seed that's been sown too. There are tares among the wheat. There are always going to be this opposition. There is an enemy out there and that enemy is there and he is fighting for soil. He is fighting for sunlight and water and saying, I'm going to compete with all the things that you believe, I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna oppose them and I'm going to keep you from enjoying the full harvest of, of, of what God has sown. And we have an enemy that's adversarial and is there and is constantly fighting. And then we go to Matthew 13, verse 31 through 33. Another parable he put forth to, the, to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which seed indeed is the least of all seeds but when it grew but it, but when it's grown it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so the, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches another parable he spoke to them the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened so we got to take all these parables together they're one after another he, he parable the sower birds thorns stony places, hindrances. Then he moves on and he talks about the, the field where you sow good seed is sown, but the enemy comes and he's sowing bad seed. And for every right thing, there's a, a, an opposition and a hindrance. And then he concludes and he uses this parable of a mustard seed and leaven. And in this, I, I believe he gives us or kind of unlocks the reality of faith. Okay, so okay, we all agree. That there's a lot of unbelief in the world. Are we in agreement of that this morning? Are we in agreement that morning? He said, No, is, Pastor, there's no unbelief. And we all we, we deal with that. Okay, we understand that. We know that the, the good seed is being sown, but the enemy is sowing bad seed. And all these things are working. And then he finishes right here and he uses the tiny mustard seed and leaven as things that are very, very small. And yet, when they are sown, over time, Jesus says uh, that they end up becoming the dominating uh, uh, feature. You can take a tiny mustard seed and it becomes a great tree and a place of refuge and dominion. He uses the idea that you can take a little bit of leaven, you can fold that into a loaf, and then over time, it begins to uh, change the very character of that bread. It, it challenges and it enlarges it. So let's think this morning for a minute about faith. Here we are in a world that we look at that imposes us. It's imposing. It, it's huge. And sometimes we feel like, you know, what what difference can I make? Does it really matter? We pray for a sick person and one gets healed and 10 don't get healed. We, we labor and we do these things and you can, you can feel Sometimes, like, it doesn't matter or make a difference. But Jesus says the kingdom of God is always small, something that is insignificant, something that the world doesn't pay attention to. But when people apply faith and begin to faithfully labor there, they change the character of everything. And the promises at the end, in the completion, the little seeds that you and I sow in faith are going to end up, uh, uh, end up uh, causing tremendous blessing and fruitfulness. You know what that means? That means that what you and I labor for is the promise that one day everybody's going to be healed. There will be no more sickness, no more death. That's what the Bible says. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. We labor in the confidence that one day death, the last enemy to be defeated is death whether we're talking about individuals or we're talking about the entire human race, that we are laboring towards what we know is victory. But in this life, every time somebody gets healed, that reminds us God is going to heal everybody one day. Every time somebody gets delivered, every time somebody uh, uh, has a touch of God on their life, it all is simply God's way of saying, I'm contending for this here in this dark world, but this is the kingdom of God and this, there will be an ultimate victory. But it starts right here. The very idea of saying, well, if everybody doesn't get healed, then nobody should get healed. We shouldn't even bother praying unless we have uh, 100% success in healing is the, uh, not understanding that what you and I are laboring for Yeah, we are the mustard seed. We're the little bit of leaven. But as we continue to labor and sow in in this world, things change and ultimately we know they're going to change forever. That is the promise of God. Put up the quote here, uh, Tony. What might we ask is the significance of a few healings and deliverances in a world so thoroughly broken and diseased. These parables teach that what seems insignificant today will be fully established tomorrow. Our healings now seem small in light of the enormous need, but these healings are genuine manifestations of the new world coming. When we pray for somebody, we say, God rules over sickness. I believe that this morning. I believe that in every situation, that he rules over death. And yet here we are in a world where the enemy has sown tares and the birds and the rocks and and, uh, 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 all the opposition, the thorns that are there. But our job is to continue to plant mustard seeds, to fold in the leaven of the kingdom of God in a world that says, what difference does it make? Well, I tell you what, to every person that gets healed, it makes an incredible amount of difference. Every person that gets delivered, it makes a a, a tremendous difference. That's the hope and the possibility of God. So I'm going to stop this right here, and let's open it up. Anybody have anything right here before we kind of change direction? We're talking today about faith and having a right view of faith. Anybody at all? Okay, I see Bethel. Anybody else? Any more hands? Praise God. Ruby, anybody else? Okay, Bethel.
2: Yes, uh, I can relate to uh, the uh, issue of the terrorists because I remember I was praying for this man and working with him, and he uh, had cancer. And so we prayed for him. God healed him in church. but uh, And he even brought paperwork that his cancer was healed. And, and so what happened behind the scenes, this man would also go to a curandero, okay, across into Piedras Negras. And he had a terror, uh, in, and and that terror was the Niño Fidencio belief. It was some kind of, you know, uh, uh, curanderismo. And so when he would go, he would come back sick. And I worked with this man. He was a very good gentleman. He allowed me in his house, and I would do uh, miracle crusades there in, in the winter. In his house, in his living room, we would get visitors, and people would get healed. And he was a very nice and polite Older man, but that was his terror right there that God would heal him and then he would go to the curandero because that was his past belief and then he would come back sick again. I would pray for him again, he would get completely healed. We would have proof papers from the hospital, his daughter was a registered nurse, and he said, Pastor, he's my grandpa's completely healed, but behind the scenes, he would go to that curandero and he would get sick again.
0: Yeah. I think uh, you, you raise a very good point, Bethel, that uh, I think people don't quite understand how witchcraft works. Witchcraft is simply an alternative. Okay, it's another place to go. You follow in the Bible, you'll find it's always the case. When people don't want God, they always go to witchcraft. They always do it. King Saul goes to a witch. The Bible says that Pharaoh, Moses, and and uh and uh, Aaron are talking to him and he turns around and goes to his sorcerers and it's always there and it it is it's in competition it's like there it's there and that's there. that's why you 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 know when people smoke weed they're not uh well you know I'm, i'm talking about christians people who know better and they go to marijuana it's it's a choice it's a rejection it's a rejection they're saying i don't want you i want you That's why it becomes so dominating in their lives. I remember um, uh, way, way back when I was pastoring Las Vegas, New Mexico, uh, there was this little restaurant in the middle of town called Spick and Span that I got violently ill and would never ever go back. It was very demonic and I blamed it on Spick and Span but I think it's because of demons that lived there. We had the mental institution in Las Vegas, and it was very common that uh, the people from the mental institution that were allowed to would leave and they would make their way into the center of town and they would go and they'd have the lights off and they would just sit there with the lights off smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and had just a really weird spirit. And uh, Andrew Zamora's wife Edna was a waitress there and uh, she'd bring in some of the craziest people and there was a very popular waitress, kind of a 40-something, kind of a bit of a, uh, you know, kind of these truck driver, uh, truck um, stop-type waitresses, you know, that back in the day, that could give it as well as take it. And, and this woman came in, her name was Vangie, and she came in, and this woman got radically converted. I mean, radically saved. She went back to work preaching to everybody on the job. It was like the talk of the town because she was so well-known and she was so transformed. It was like the gathering demoniac. And she was in church. She was bringing her family. She had all the signs of life and victory. And about, I don't know, two or three months into it, I got a phone call one morning and said, can you please come to her house? She has lost her mind. And I went over there and it was one of the, I was still a very young pastor, but it was one of the most remarkable things I'd ever seen in my life, because this woman was, uh, you know, anybody here old enough to remember seeing a movie called The Exorcist? Yes. Yeah, so it was that kind of scene. And I mean, completely gone. And it was so uh, foul, and, uh, and, uh, and so what had come out was that she had a, had an ugly divorce, and uh, one of the things she would do regularly was go to Kunandera, and she she had been saved serving God, but, you know, yielded to the temptation and went back to a curandera. And I mean to tell you, it absolutely, I mean, and uh, I remember that experience coming away and understanding that when people go to a witch, they're rejecting. It's not just accepting, but they're rejecting they're choosing. And when, you, when she went back and she swung that door open, it absolutely destroyed her. And so, yeah, there are, there are tares. There are things that are sown. Okay, well, that's why the Bible calls witch, a rebellion witchcraft. Because when you choose and you open that door, you're choosing something. And all that good seed, all that God wants to do can be destroyed. Ruby?
3: Okay, I don't know if this is going to make any sense, um, but we're talking about the proper role of faith. And um, I remember when Josie was battling the cancer, I always thought that she was just going to bounce back. Um, After I I think it was like seven craniotomies, and she was still driving, still functioning in the band. I just thought she was a miracle, you know. Um, But I was at their house one day, and I answered the phone because the phone was ringing, and it was a funeral home. And I remember getting upset thinking, what, she's on a cancer list, and so now you're soliciting business? I, and I wanted to really like just go off on the person, and, I, and then it hit me, what if they're making plans? And so I had to like, okay, uh, Ray, telephone, you know? <laughs> and so I gave him the phone, and then it started to hit me like, wow, she actually might die, you know? It had never occurred to me after a couple of years that we've been going through this, um, but I remember, Her last surgery that she went into, it was this reality was setting in because she was getting, you know, it's getting pretty bad. And the last conversation that I had with her before the surgery, I asked her, Josie, if you pass away or if something happens in the surgery where you pass away, um, do you want me to try to raise you from the dead? Because I wasn't ready to lose her, but I had the reality like... I don't, it's not, it's selfish of me to let her go into the presence of Jesus and then pull her out and not give her that, you know. Right. And so, um, I know y'all probably think I'm crazy, but um, but she thought about it for a second and she's like, no, if I go be with Jesus, let me stay with Jesus. And and I remember kind of feeling like a little bummed out because I didn't want to lose her, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I don't know if that makes any sense, but I just, even though she was battling all this and she was dying, I in my mind, I knew Jesus could raise her from the dead. And I didn't, that, that didn't, faith didn't waver.
0: Yeah, I think that it makes, uh, I think everybody here say, yeah, I, they have the same feeling. Amen. Yeah, God, God wants to move, you know. And so, you know, our job, let me say it again. Our job on this side is to, is to fight. That's what our job is to do. Our job is to fight. But with the faith that in the end, we win. That death isn't a defeat. It's like. We're pressing and we're believing God and believing God. And then somebody dies. We're not supposed to walk out of there all bummed out. Like, what did we do wrong? Our faith wasn't great. They're in the presence of God. They're in the glory of God. The last enemy to be defeated is death. Okay. But on this side, that's what we do. We fight. We have, yeah. Are we dealing with birds and, gnats, uh, and, uh, and uh, thorns and rocks? Are, do, are, we, do, are we dealing with an enemy that we sow, you know, good seed and he sows bad seed? Absolutely, we all know that's true. Now, here we are, a tiny little seed, and we think, what difference, can, what, what, what can we do? Or we're a little bit 11, and there's this, you know, wh- wh- how can we make a difference? But Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is. This is what you and I are involved in. I saw a hand, oh, Doris.
1: So anyway, so I was thinking, obviously, you know, with everything that I'm going through and everything, I tell, I tell people, you know, my hands are lifted up. You know what I mean? Like you said, because we long to be with our Savior, you know. But St. Token, and my, but my feet are like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Like, I have so much I want to do, you know, and stuff. So, and I tell people to, at the VA, I was like, I'm a fighter. I mean, you guys all know me. I'm a fighter, and stuff. So I don't just give up. I'm like, roll over. So, but again, like she said with Josie, you have to think of you have to prepare just in case kind of things you can't just like oh, okay and then well, god forbid something happens you weren't prepared you know what i mean and that's just anyone should be prepared you know in in life kind of thing and stuff so i'm thinking you know those that don't know yesterday i know that i was in an accident yesterday my car is maybe totaled i don't know and I, i'm praying for the young man but i don't know if he's alive or not and everything and i'm thinking i'm right with god i'm ready you know and stuff and i when i hit you know hit him and stuff and he just pulled in front of me and stuff and it's slow motion and I can see this and I'm like, instant, I am like, God, am I gonna die this way? I mean, that was the first thing I thought of, you know, and then I was like, why did he do that, you know, and stuff. But I was like, am I gonna die this way, you know, and stuff and all, so you think about it and it's like, you tell people that the realization is you're not promised tomorrow, none of us. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna be a boot camp this week, you know, and tell these kids, like, I just hit a 19 year old kid, you know, it wasn't my fault, but I still had a kid that he, he's in life, you know, life air life to, to university, hospital, to, to Samsey. We don't know if he's alive, they won't tell us. And I have to think about that and stuff. And so it could be any one of us, like we pray for Michael, you know, it could be any one of us, you're not promised tomorrow. i I say for the kid, people playing around, you know, you're not promised. You live for Jesus, it doesn't matter what happens. You know, I read the end of the book, yeah. you know, and I know that I live for Jesus, I win. If I die for Jesus, I win. So you've got to live according to this word and yeah. stuff and stop playing games with God yeah. and have oil in your lamp and, and be a testimony. And that's the one thing that for me that I was like, I want, like on my epitaph kind of thing, I want to be known as an encourager, as someone that lived for Jesus, that not someone was playing games and stuff. So it, I want to believe he healed. Yeah. And Yolanda sent me that text and it's like, it's so cool. It's like, Doris, we believe in God that, you know, that the, the demon of cancer got, hit, got knocked out of you during that, in that car accident, you know, along with your car, you know, and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I can get another car. You know, and I don't know if it's total, but you know, it's just knowing that my airbags didn't even go out. You know, and I'm like, how? How did I not go through that windshield? How did that kid not come through my windshield? You know, and it's like that was the grace of God. You know, and being saved, living for Jesus, the covering that you have because you live for Jesus Christ, and we don't realize that how many times that God protects us, and there is angels, and we take it for granted. You know, and stuff. And it's like, man, I'm you know you press in it's like i pray for healing till the day i die i'm going to pray for healing i'm not going to stop it yeah. that doesn't mean i don't think about it right. but i know no matter what happens i'm going to be with jesus
0: Hallelujah. yeah that's 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 what we're contending for that's the promise of god you know i got to be honest with you you know and in my job you know people sometimes are sick particularly elderly people and they and they, they a lot of times they'll say hey that's Let's go have coffee. And, uh, and they want to start to talk to me about their eventualities. You know what I mean? And, and there's a side of me because we're believing God. You're like, I don't want to have this conversation. But then there's the other side of me that says, hey, you know what? We're all going to die. If the rapture doesn't happen. We're all going to be there one day. And uh, we're not afraid of death. And if you're afraid of death, you need to ask yourself why. It's okay. You know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a Bible. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to have somebody sing. We're going to eat some potato salad. We're going to move forward. We're going to, and, and we're going to, you know, that, you know, it's funny. We live our entire lives get saved their entire lives. I'm, I know if I lay my on my pillow, I'm going to, I'm going to, and uh, you know, I die, I'm going to be saved and all that. And then it's like all of a sudden, whoa, whoa. Hey Amen. Uh, I had an interesting experience on Monday afternoon. I had to go to El Paso, do discipleship Monday. I'm on Southwest Airlines and we're approaching El Paso, which is like landing on the moon it's just flat dirt uh, I look down, you don't see a shrub I say, oh, okay, I'm in El Paso and uh, I've flown in many times and we're about 10 seconds from landing and then all of a sudden you hear the thrusters and we start going like this and so I fly enough to know all the little signs and so I'm looking around I can see a few others and then the, the family people they think that's normal but, uh, but we go up and then about 30 seconds later, the pilot comes on in his pilot voice and says, well, we were about to land. But it turned out there was another plane on the runway. So we're going to take another loop around and wait for them to clear. You never know. And so, but you know, you, you, you know that's why we're saved and we're serving God. Right, that. You know, that's what it is. And so we don't make light of this. We don't treat it lightly. But at the same time, we have a victory over death. Death has lost its sting. And the grave has lost its victory. And that's our, our promise. And that's our faith. Our faith is not, I, I, I better, I got a mustard. All right. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Pray for me. Okay. You know, it's, 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 that's, that's, not, that's not our faith. It belongs to Jesus Christ. I says no matter what happens. Anybody else here before I, David? I'm trying to scan the crowd. Go ahead, David.
4: Um, you know when we're in Poteet and um, we're starting, you know, a season Bible study. Um, it was kind of really slow, but we reached out to uh, Hector and Margarita, who are coming here now for a while. And some of y'all know the story of his son, but when are talking about know what we need to do on this side and so when when her son got went through what he went through i, I was like like shocked and emotionally i was like god you just gave us this couple and see, he's going through this and so go through the whole thing they tell him it's gonna be a vegetable and, and you know and here i am supposed to be this, the ministering one and i'm going to the hospital and i'm not seeing results you know i'm still Asking why and myself, not trying to portray that to them, but just kind of be faithful and strong. And then she tells me, yeah, the doctor kind of said it's, you know, he's never going to talk. So I decided, I said, Sally, you know, we're going to have Bible study in his room, you know, until this, until this breaks. And so I would go there and we would have Bible study in his room. And then whenever nurse was there, well, well, heck, she was part of it and she had to be. So I mean, we'd sing, we'd open up, and he'd be twitching and moving, and and uh, be you know what he is, and 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 it's so true what you said. We we gotta believe that regardless of what you know what is, we we battle what we do on this side. And so I, we would, we did that for a few nights, and I remember Margie was you know she was she was you know mother, she mother's feeling for her kid. But I took authority and I said you know I uh, I know these people and I know. This kid, he's young, and I said, God, you know, you have to touch this child. Not because not of me or anybody else, but because to demonstrate what And we laid hands on him every night that we, yes. after we prayed. But there was one specific night that I know I just really cried out to God. I just really, you know, I, I just really felt really firm about it. I said, you know what, no matter what, and I spoke it, I said, no matter what, whether he speaks or not, God, you speak. You speak through the circumstance. And we prayed, and I left there, and I was like, you know, okay, you know, I'm gonna have to, I have to continue and go and continue, you know, reaching out to the town, and, and we'll leave it at that. I we got a phone call the next, the next morning, and Margarita's like, hey, he, he spoke. And I was like, really excited and everything, and then I was like, well, what did he say? I was thinking he's going to say mom, or, and he said, well, he said he wanted watermelon. And I was like, out of all the things to say, you know what I mean? So I said, well, what'd you do? She's like, well, I went down to the cafeteria and got a watermelon. But just the fact that what if we wouldn't have did that? What if we wouldn't have battled and, and, on this side? When the doctor's there there is telling yeah. you, no, know, I mean, it's not going to happen. Yeah. This is the way it's going to be. And, and, you know, that trans transpires into what I'm going through now with my mother. It's like, I, I hear what they're saying, but I've seen it. I've seen the miracle. I've seen what God, like Doris said, I've seen I've seen things happen. And I'm going to still believe till the end, yeah. you know, whether it happens or not till the end, you know, it's like, I know I've seen people been raised from the dead. And so our faith has to be there and it has to continue to be there. if not, then we're not who we say we are.
0: You know, Mark, uh, you know, fetching people haven't been here, you know, that would have been about, uh, six years ago. And, uh, uh yeah, that was that that night. It, I'm telling, just like this little report we got this morning, it was that kind of thing. And uh, to see him today is a wonderful miracle of God's grace. He is a miracle-working God. Can you say Amen? I want to uh, uh, turn the page, and I want to spend the next uh, few weeks. And that's, I want to talk to you to, uh, about praying for the sick. We talked about the fact that God heals the sick, that He called us. To pray for the sick. This is not optional Christianity. We are called. It's part of the kingdom of God. We've wrestled with some of the theological challenges that hit us or perhaps hit us through other people that oppose healing and make and this whole dynamic of the struggle of faith when it comes to pressing through. But I wanted to spend the last part of this Sunday school and talk about how to pray for the sick what are we doing i mean what are we what what is our understanding and let me begin again by mentioning to you that i'm giving you my own personal testimony and uh and i don't think i'm too far off i think from just understanding of our, uh, our fellowship and that is i was saved in a pentecostal church at, uh, the door in tucson back then we were called the door four square gospel church the prescott church was the Foursquare square church and uh, uh, uh the four square uh, uh, had its roots in a, a eva- healing evangelist by the name of Amy Simple McPherson. Yeah, i said a woman. And Amy McPherson had, uh, 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 began to pray for the sick. She was part of the early Pentecostal movement in America and Los Angeles, California, and had uh, uh, just lots of miracles. Uh, she was a, a bit of an entertainer. Uh, her services would have a lot of drama musicals, and musicals and all kinds of things and she used to draw large crowds of people because it was like half gospel half entertaining and then she was young and she would pray for people and people were getting healed and eventually she organized this denomination uh and they preached the gospel uh, uh, not surprisingly she raised up a lot of women preachers a lot of little Amy's, and about uh you know uh just stop little commercial break here or not commercial break little public warning and that is that uh, God used this woman but uh, she lived a very very difficult miserable life and to me she's not proof that God wants women preachers she's proof of what happens when you let a woman preach uh, and you'll sign the same things true with Catherine Kuhlman and, and uh, all of these and anyway uh, you know, she'd raise up these women preachers. And a couple of these women, they, were, they, they sent out like little missionaries all over the West Coast, including Arizona. And it was in one of these churches pastored by a couple of women that Pastor Mitchell got saved. In. And uh, his brother and his wife were going there. And Pastor Mitchell and Sister Mitchell lost their, their firstborn child, I think, at eight or ten months. And they were distraught young people. Pastor Mitchell's brother took him to that church because they'd gotten saved there, and he got radically saved and converted and uh, had a, just a, on fire, wanted to do something for God, went to these ladies and said he wanted to preach, and they said, you need to go to Bible college, sent him off to the Bible college, Life Bible College there in California and, uh, to hear Pastor Mitchell's story. Uh, at, by the 1950s, uh, they were teaching about why God doesn't heal anymore all those things that uh, uh, were in the Bible that were actually the origins of the whole movement by the time he went to Bible College there was lots of unbelief and he says by the grace of God he survived that spent about eight years pastoring before uh, he went to Prescott and we know what happened revival the Tucson Church pastor Warner when he went to Tucson took over one of those little missions pastored by another one of these uh, Amy disciples a woman we start a little mission in South Tucson and nothing had happened. And they had a building and so they called Pastor Mitchell and he sent Pastor Warner and, and there you go. So, so here a few years later, I get saved. And uh, there was definitely, a, 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 we were Pentecostal, we got filled with the Holy Ghost, we spoke in tongues and we prayed for the sick. But at that time, there was very little about what we were doing praying for the sick. It was just pray for them and ask God to heal them pray loud, do different things uh, 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 you know I, I went to a, some healing evangelists uh, uh, there in Tucson I was a young convert and they'd line them up and the organ player would be playing and everybody would get souped up and then you would go through and at the, 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 they'd line up all the pastors on the side and uh, it looked kind of like um, uh, the old soul train there was this line there and then you would go through the middle and then and then the man of God R.W. Schambach and and then at the end and you know and then it, that that was it that was how they did it uh, and so you know we would have evangelists and the last night would be the healing night and you would literally line everybody up and then he'd come telling the guy would pray and move the next person and so then I got sent out and that is basically how we did it I prayed for people all the time I preach on healing line everybody up pray for them and, 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 you know, sometimes people got healed. And, but my point is there was very little understanding of what we were doing. I didn't really think a whole lot about the dynamics that were involved in healing. We know God said you can be healed. I wanted to be healed. And uh, I wanted God to use me to heal people. And that's kind of where it is until Pastor Mitchell began to uh, a minister he started by preaching a sermon on family curses and began to talk about spiritual presence that works in human personality and how they are associated to things that people may have stepped into or perhaps even their family had stepped into and now had a spiritual bearing on their lives and when I remember when he began to minister this uh, how many remember uh, where you were here when we we had pastor Mitchell preach at Mayfield Baptist Church Anybody remember that? In back this is July 1988. He came here, and uh, we were able to secure Mayfield Baptist Church for a deliverance service. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and when he began to minister, I mean, I, you could tell. I'm at home, my spirit. I've had, he's on to something. By then, I'd been pastoring for a few years, working with people, and grappling with some of the whys and the wherefores of, of how people are the way they are. And it would begin to help me, give me understanding. One of the things that uh, people uh, sometimes recognize is, is, why is it that we hear all these stories of great miracles in third world countries, and we don't see that so much in America? And the, the easy answer is, well, because Americans, we have medicine, we have access to hospitals. Our default when we're sick is to go to the doctor, go to the hospital, get some medicine, whereas in the third world, they don't have those options. And simply by not having those options, they're forced to have to trust God and seek God. And there is absolutely some truth in that, but the story goes a little bit further, and I'm gonna run out of time, but I want you to, to, to tease you with this this morning. And that is, it has to do with how we look at life. So put up the uh, uh, worldview uh, this morning. I'm pretty sure I gave that to you, Tony the Western world versus the rest of the world the Western world says man is a machine understand it then you can repair it the rest of the world man is a spirit that resides in a house if you really want to reduce it down the Western world what I mean by that is uh, United States Canada Western Europe uh, Australia you find this idea that, you know what, we just need to understand man better. He's a machine, he's no different than your Toyota. And uh, you just, you know, get it, create an index, get your manual out, turn, find a, you know, gallbladder and then look it up and, and, and just go down to uh, uh, Pet Boys and buy another gallbladder uh, and just pop, put it in there. You know, and so we, we have this idea and this is how uh, people look at life. That's how they view life. I'm a machine. Fix me. I'm depressed. <laughs> Depression. Uh, go uh, uh, Prozac. You, you know, and, and we're good. Whereas people who are, are 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 raised outside of that understanding understand that our bodies are a house, but there's all kinds of spiritual activity that's involved there. And so, when we begin to get involved in praying with people. We're also taking into account their spiritual dynamics that are at work. Now, that can be, in one sense, it it, it can be a curse because we're subject or the influence of spirits. But it's also a blessing because it gives us something to work with when we're praying with people. And when you begin to pray with people and begin to talk to them, and you begin to address spiritual issues, you begin to open up doors that see powerful healing. So we're going to turn the page and we're going to spend the next few weeks understanding what the Bible says about the spiritual associations with sickness and sin and sickness, but also how to pray with people. So I want to make sure that you're here for the next few Sundays and uh, so that'll help you because the whole idea we're doing this is to build faith in you to pray for the sick. Okay. Uh, and uh, you thought, I was, you thought oh, wow, what's happening? All right, we're going to hear testimony though. Mike? Is going to stand and give a testimony, Mike Valverde, right over here, and uh, he's going to give our testimony uh, this morning.
5: Morning, my name is Mike.
0: Uh, this,
5: this took place uh, several years ago now, but I was uh, in my early twenties, and um, I was selected through this screening process to be a potential blood—I'm sorry—bone uh, marrow donor to um, somebody who had leukemia. And I had to go through a series of of tests and screenings and and whatnot. And in the process of that, I found out that I had some kind of disease with my liver. And uh, we retested over and over and and same thing. And uh, I was told that within the next eight years, I was going to need a new liver. And I was kind of shocked because I was so young and I thought I was pretty healthy. Um, And uh, so we had been saved for about three years at the time. And I, I didn't. I've never really experienced healing in my life, and I was kind of cynical about it. Um, growing up in, you know, in the Catholic uh, background and all that, and so um, I had been to healing crusades. I've seen them. I could believe for other people, but I couldn't believe for myself. And so um, went through with the with the, the donation, and I, I told my pastor, Hey, this is what's going on. Um, just pray for me. That's all. That's all I knew. Just pray for me. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. And so my wife and I, we started praying, came back to do some follow-up tests, and it was completely gone. Hallelujah. And uh, so I went back, and, and you know, I told the doctor, I said, he said, well, what'd you guys, you know, what'd you do? This doesn't, this doesn't just resolve on its own, and I told him, well, you know, well, we prayed, and that's it. I didn't do anything different. And of course, I got the cynical, oh, well, okay, you know, nice for you, you know? And, uh, but, but I knew that at that point, that was kind of a, a breaking point and, a, and a, a watershed moment in my, in my faith because I experienced, experienced it for myself and I finally believed for myself because it was so easy to believe for other people to get healed, but not so much for, for oneself. And, uh, and that's kind of a reference point for me. And, and, and I use that as a testimony for, you know, for anybody that I could uh, get the opportunity to uh, pray for or talk to because god does heal yes and it doesn't matter what you you know, how much how much faith you have but if somebody can have faith for you and you could say hey god this is what you do just you know help me do it then and he totally healed me so um, yes. i hope that helps somebody and and uh just believe god for that he is who he says he is and he's a healer and that's one of his attributes so um nice. just hope that encourages somebody
0: so mike uh you said you're around 30 when this no, I was
5: in my early 20s. Early 20s. Yeah, I'm almost, I'm almost um, not there anymore. <laughs> now I'm almost 40. And so, so 10 years ago, I should have received a new liver, and, and I'm pretty healthy. Yes, amen. amen.
0: Yeah. All right, right, praise God. That's wonderful. All right, let's stand together, and uh, we're going to pray. We're going to pray very specifically this morning. We're going to pray against death. We're going against. Remember, death is an enemy. The last enemy to be defeated is death. It is defeated when people who have been given a death sentence are healed. It is defeated even when Christians die and they rise from the dead. Okay, but we're going to pray against that, and we're remembering particularly. I know there are people that come in during Sunday school. We're praying right now for Mike Hernandez, who is a young man who's been in this church for many years as a child, and tonight or today he's uh, uh, right at you know needs a miracle of healing right now. And so we're going to believe. I want you to pray with me. I want you to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we cast out the spirit of death upon our own bodies, upon those who are sick. We plead the blood for Mike Hernandez. We ask you for a miracle. We ask your mercy. Pull him back from the grip of death in Jesus' name. Let's believe God. Father, we are asking you for a miracle right now. Lord, we pray, stretch forth your hand. God, you overrule the curse. You have resurrection power. The grave does not have victory this morning. We stand in your eternal promises. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We'll start church in a few minutes. Lord bless you.